Dorian Yates, Shadow Talk. That's that's my podcast, and uh, very happy to have you on, Thomas. So I thought about doing my own podcast. You was like the first name that came up. Uh, as it's very kind of you, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I read about you and how guys like Arnold inspired you. Where wherever you're living, where was it? Michigan, uh, somewhere like that. Uh, went to college in Michigan, Michigan State. Uh, yeah, so that's when I first met Arnold. Yeah, and that's when you you, you started lifting. Uh, what, what's the history? How do you start lifting? How do you get into bodybuilding? I was about nine. You know, like most of us, I was about nine years old. Went to the local drugstore when I was in grade school. Opened up a magazine. The magazine rack was right in front, so I opened a magazine up, yeah. and there's a picture of Draper and the girls, the beach yeah. surfboards. And I'm like. What a great job. I said, Dad, that's what I'm going to do. I mean, that was, yeah. it changed my life. That one instance changed those, my those life. Those magazines from, from Joe Weider particularly, I mean, they're so powerful. Uh, you know, we didn't have the internet back then, but you, if you got your picture in Joe Weider's Muscle and Fitness, like everyone around the world knew who you were. That was that was your, you know, you get your picture in that magazine and and you're made and I, there's so many people that must have seen a magazine on a news store somewhere and that just changed their life I, I the same thing happened to me i saw a picture with robbie Robinson on the front i think uh and uh mike menser in a like kind of hercules pose or something like this and uh you know, that was me man we used to me and my friends used to go and wait for the magazines like you know you don't know when they're coming in right come out next week next week i didn't know so, now uh, it's internet is so easy, you know, and it's a yeah. different world. But yeah, it's different. Zeller, do you remember Artie Zeller? Artie Zeller, I never met him, but I know he worked for Weedo. He was one of the photographers that worked with Arnold and all the guys back then, right? He took all those black and white shots of, the, of guys before me and myself included. Yeah. Uh, and I told him one time, he passed away, and I said, Artie, you've changed my life because of you, because of your art, because of yeah. your photographs in that magazine. My whole life changed. And I thank you very much for that, you know. But he passed away and it was sort of sad. Well, it's always yeah. sad when somebody passed away. And I, I guess Joe was the guy behind it all, right? With um because I yeah, I had a lot of old magazines donated to me, you know, by my friend's older brother and on all this because they knew I was into it. So I had all the old Iron Man magazines. You remember the little ones, the little Iron Man magazine? Oh, yeah, I love those. Cherry yeah, yeah, they, they were like really packed with like kind of practical, factual information and stuff like that. Um, so in a way, they were better, more informative. But what Joe did, he made he made bodybuilding look sexy. Oh, yeah. He made it, oh, look, yeah. He made it look cool. Like the, it, it wasn't like that before. And then, of course, Arnold came along with the pumping iron. But those magazines with Joe and the bodybuilders on the beach and the girls and uh, that oh. whole lifestyle, which, you know, Probably only existed for a handful of guys, but it 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 went all around the world, right? I mean, the Hollywood connection, if you will, the Joe Weider yeah. opened that door. I mean, it was like, you know, I was going to go to Nava and win the universe. That was my strategy. And then yeah. if I win the universe, I can come back home and get a job. You know, right. I have my degrees, but I was able to circumvent that and go to Weider, get under contract and, you know, won the, won the show I needed to win the universe. And I was able to enter the Olympia way back. Before your time in 1979. <laughs> yeah. So you were in the Olympia in 79. No, I know you was in 80. I thought 80, 80 was 81. the first one. Uh, I, I guess I was in 83 was I tore my bicep, you know, yeah. which was kind of an honor. I mean, I was like backstage going, all right, I'm opening the show, you guys, <laughs> you know. 
it was like sort of a you know a little ego rush but i sort of looked at zane and said hey good luck you know and it was kind of nice but I, I just was honored if you will uh, i'm sort of joking here to be guest posing at our premier event you know that yeah. was in germany uh in germany and munich and i believe you know, it was albert no albert Beckel. was that 83 84 samir won it was uh oh. samir was samir won in 83 i think and and lee haney yeah. won the first one in 84 right yeah yes 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 that uh, a lot of good memories of course as you have i mean i can I can remember those days better than I can yesterday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Gold, golden days, man. You know, and uh, I think when you're in the thick of it, you never. Re when you look back, you realize, wow, that was some special, special times. I, I look back on my times when I went out to, to LA, and and the whole, you know, it was like a family thing, right? You got the Gold's Gym, uh, with the guys there that own Gold's Gym, and the, and then you got the weed offices with, with all the weed. It's like all connected. It was like a big family uh, which is friday it was like going to the white house you know i would go we would all go to weeder's place and walk up those winding stairs with the yeah. gigantic murals of all the you know the draper and arnold and ricky wayne and i remember it was like wow we, we're going to the president's place today you know yeah go see joe article tom come over we did cover shot next week okay it was like wow you know it's like nowadays i guess what did you what did you, you were probably going to new york to see everybody i imagine but then again i think weeder was still around when no, I came out, uh, Joe, I, I did my first pro show in 1990 at, in New York and uh, got second there to Ben Aziza, but Joe was there and he took, a, you know, something about me that he liked uh, and he flew me out to 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 uh, California and got my first cover on Flex, man. So that was, that's amazing. You know, you, you grow up reading the magazine, then you're in the magazine. Oh, I know. It's like run, winning the lottery, you know. Yeah. And it was wonderful. But uh, Joe, remember Joe saying, well, this Dorian guy doesn't smile too much, but I, I think I like it. <laughs> he, uh, yeah, I only ever did one Muscle and Fitness cover because you know the format that Joe had. He had Flex, that's hardcore. And then you had the Muscle and Fitness, which was more mainstream. So you always have a guy and, and a girl on the cover, you know, like a beach thing, smiling and happy and everything. He came to the photo shoot. I even, because I was like kind of curious. Being young then, I was like, why Why are you here, Joe? Why are you here at the photo shoot? And he's like, what do you mean? I said, well, if I was you, I'll be uh, counting my millions, sitting on a the beach there, drinking a pina colada or something. I don't know, but I wouldn't probably be here. And he said, uh, I'm here because I love it. Yeah, he, he, yeah this, he, this is my passion. This is my passion. And, um, you know, the whole thing about Joe Weider, the trainer, is a myth we all kind of know that but he he did know about how to hold the physique and how to hit the poses and everything like that you know, he did and we, we went yeah. to photo shoots and you know he would he would make adjustments i'm like ah joe what do you know it's that's not yeah, a stupid yeah, yeah. shot but now i realize he was right yeah when you look back just move change your feet or something i was like oh he, he, he really didn't know but he said one thing to me one time and he never said do this he said you know tom Remember how your hair was in the summertime? It was real blonde. Yeah. That, that's what you should do all the time. You know, he sort of proposed a Dave Draper image, if you will. Yeah, it's right. the California beach, uh, beach leached uh, look, right? Which became my persona, my character, yeah. my trait, my brand, you know, the beach, the surfboards, Corvettes, girls, you know. That's, that's why oh. I went into it. it was like I, I, try, I try to pull it off, man. In, in 1986, with the British Championship, you were the guest poser there. I, I try to get the I try to get the, like the Tom Pat's hair, but 
I don't know what the guy did. He just, <laughs> he, he totally bleached it. It was like white, you know, he burnt my head and everything. And I was like, I went to the gym and I said to the guys like, uh, hey, uh, do you think this is like too much? And they're all like uh, looking at the floor. No, no, it's okay. <laughs> but I was stuck with it, you know. You can burn your head. If you're not careful, you ah. can burn your head. Yeah, burn I, did, I did that. So thanks, Tom. Uh, you have to, You should have uh, introduced me to a hairdresser, you know what I mean? Yeah, really. Um, I remember that day. I remember guest posing, and I remember, like, I, I just flew in, and I needed to get sort of, like, excited to go on stage. Yeah. So I went and pumped up in the girls' dressing room. Yes. And all the girls were like, what are you doing here? I'm like, hey, you don't mind, do you? Nah, no, I have fun. I'm all pumping up. You know, I'm like, oh. then I walked out on stage, and I'm ready to party, you know? Yeah. But I remember when you came backstage, and, and you were introduced to me backstage you know i'm thinking uh and i know people were talking about you there was a buzz about you but i remember look, the look in your eye was like when i was in detroit the guys who took care of business for a living you yeah. had that look in your eye like oh geez like a hitman kind of look and like oh you, like you were this is what your destiny was, I was right? focused yeah super focused oh cool. it's cool to see it i'm like whoa yeah. whoa I, I know that look i know that feeling you know um, yeah, yeah, you were my hero, man. I think I got introduced to you, and you know, I tell the story all the time to guys because they come to me and they're like, uh, uh, "Dorian, oh shit, man, you know, I got a hundred questions and I don't know what to say now. Uh, like now that I've met you, I don't know, I don't know what to say." I said, "Listen, calm down, man. It's okay. I'm just a guy, and let me tell you about me when I was young. I idolized Tom Platts, and then I met him, and I was like, hi." Uh, that's it. <laughs> that's right now, you like, like, doesn't talk too much. Doesn't smile. But yeah, yeah. But but I was also thinking my contest, my contest. You know how it is when you're on that. Oh, yeah. On that but day, that you focused in. You had sort of a. You walked out on stage, and, and the stage would sort of bend in my mind. It was so like you were just so mad, so powerful. There's no smiling. There's no Hollywood. There's no bullshit. It's like I'm here to win. Thank you very much. People were just mesmerized. It was great. Not- yeah, it was it was just me being me, and uh, you know, the, 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 I mean, I could have sat down and thought, mm, "That's an interesting strategy," but it wasn't. It was just being me and me. And the same thing with Joe; he like literally did everything to get me to smile on that photo shoot, and and he asked my wife to do to say something to me and the girl and this and that, uh, and in the end, he just was like. Ah, just let him do what he wants. <laughs> so that that was his policy from there, and just let this guy do what he wants, and like we'll make the best of it, you know. <laughs> you know you're, but that image you had was you, but it was really like nobody. Ha- I always tell people, everybody since Dorian has been copying Dorian, and I'm waiting for the next guy that does something completely different. I mean, yeah. Dorian's mentality, your strategy, how do you get ready? It's been reproduced and duplicated to not like you did it but i mean you know all due respect to ronnie and the guys of it i'm like it's like you is in everybody you're in everybody and they look at you as the that's the epitome of what i want to do and but isn't that the case isn't that the case with yourself tom like the people that came before you you know we all stand on the shoulders of uh giants so to speak and and if you hadn't been along and Mike Mensa hadn't been along and, and Casey Vieto and all these guys that I looked up to and inspired. Just look at the pictures of you guys training. And that's what inspired me. There were some pictures that Bob Kennedy took of you, Robert Kennedy, yeah, for, his, for his books. He, he was a, a muscle mag publisher, yeah. but he published some books as well. Uh, Hardcore Bodybuilding, uh, B-Fit. I had all those books. 
and in there he had some black and white pictures of you, training in Gold's Gym, with a gray sweatshirt on and pants. I mean, totally covered up, but sweating, and like you could see the intensity, and I was like, ah, that's what I want to see. I don't want to see the pictures on the beach and all that. I want to see this, you know? I want to yeah, see yeah, this. Yeah, you're right, you're right. So, uh, you know, you inspired me, and, and that's why it is. Like, we all kind of learn from the people before us. We take a bit from here and a bit from there and and, and, and a bit, like I even kind of pinch your little, you know, the sweep and the boom, the bicep <laughs> thing that, that you made, you know? So, we, and a little uh, single bicep pose that Samir Banout did and, and Lila Brada, I just made it my own. So we all build on each other, right? We're all learning from each other. We're not in isolation. You know, it's true, though, how we're standing on everybody's shoulders before us. I mean, I said the same thing to Draper and to Arnold and Larry Scott and Lou Ferrigno and, you know, and Corny. I said, look, you know, they were all my teachers. That was yeah. a teenage kid, you know, in Gold's Gym going, I want to do this. They're like, yeah, kid. Okay. And I think they just scored. Let me show you. Let me show you what to do. Yeah, and yeah. they gave me advice. And Zane would take me aside and said, Tom, this is after the university. He goes, your legs. We don't have anything like your leg. You, that's your brand. That's what you should market. And I'm like, really? You think so, Frank? You know, I remember wow. talking to him. I said, look, I don't know that. I have my college degrees. I want to get, I have to get a job. I have a can of tuna fish and, and a head of lettuce. <laughs> that's all I have left after the universe. I said, I'm going to go up to Santa Monica High and, and talk to the principal up there. And he goes, no, don't, don't. And Frank, I need, to, I need to eat, man, you know? Yeah. And Frank goes, look, in two months, the phone's going to start ringing for, promoters from all over the world are going to call you and here's what you say now that you're uh, you know mr universe you charge at least thirty five thousand dollars expenses for you and your girlfriend half the gate on the seminar i mean and get your half in advance you know he would yeah, he would yeah. but when the phone started ringing and you know and it did like he said i answered the phone i'm like um my my fee is four thousand dollars fine no problem I want half in advance. No problem. I'm like, holy <laughs> smoke. Yeah, yeah, Frank yeah. was right, you know. And yeah. I mean, it was never about the money, but it, 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 for a while it was because, you know, you get into the Porsches and the houses and stuff. But I find when it got more and more about the money, I lost that love of the game. You know, just we would do it anyhow. That's always the balance, right? Yeah, it has to be that. That's a very difficult uh, balance to have. And that's why actually I chose when I was Mr. Olympia to. Uh, be out of the way to stay where I was, you know, because I knew if I was in LA, it might be nice. There might be some advantage, but I would be like, uh, you know, Joe could call me and you got to go there, do this and do that. And I was like, I just, oh, yeah, you'd be like, you know, you know I, I want to be still in charge of my time because you know, what got you there in the first place? And we've seen this probably you've seen it with a lot of bodybuilders. They're amateurs. They do, you know, they do their thing. They're the train regular, they're eating and everything. And they get to a certain level and then they get to be pro and then they get distractions. And one of them is the potential to earn money. Yeah. So you could earn a lot of money, right? In those days, uh, you go on the road to earn a lot of money. But when you go on the road, you can't quite eat properly. You can't quite train properly. So then, you know, your, your physique maybe suffers and your financial standing would suffer also. So it's like, how much work do I do versus like doing what I did to build this thing in the first place? I remember like, John Balick from Iron Man magazine. He bought Iron Man magazine. And John Balick would always say, Tom, if you want to win, win the Olympia that bad, why don't you stay home for a while? And yeah. I was out every weekend. I'm on stage every weekend. That was my Facebook. That was my Instagram, which yeah. didn't exist at that time. But I figured I had to run for office. I had a, I loved, I loved going on stage and, you know, having rock in the crowd. And it was, as much as I loved being in the gym. 
but you know, I, I, I thought about it. I go, I should probably stay home. And I thought about you many times after I retired. I said, maybe I should just stay home like Dorian, you know, like, like, like you did. I'm like, yeah. Nah, yeah, I gotta go out. I gotta go out and get on stage. I was like, I was, wasn't relaxed enough to stay in the, you know, to stay home. What do you think it's the, uh, the 1981 Olympia, the controversial Olympia where Franco won and you looked amazing. Is that, is that what you used, really? It seemed like everyone wanted to see you then. They don't want to see Franco or Frank Zane or even Danny Padilla that looked, by the way, amazing. Yeah, if that guy was 5 foot 10 and tall, like, in that Danny contest. Was that he was. And Roy Callender was great that yeah, night. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I got to tell you, by losing that show, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. My career took, I'm still working, and it's been 40-some years, you know? And I'm still have the opportunity to, I don't guess pose anymore, but and I could with my legs. My legs are pretty ripped up right now, but, and I don't want to, I want to get off. It's just Ed Coney always taught me, he said, look, get off stage. It's time to get off stage. Yeah. He was always my advisor and he would always, I, mean, I met Ed Corney years ago and he was like, Tom, sort of welcome to the club. You know, he had two girl on each arm and the big chains. It was the, when uh, Travolta's movie came out. Uh, you know, Saturday about, Night Fever, yeah. The Saturday Night Fever. So that was the, that was the weekend I was guest posing in Florida. Arnold was there, Larry Scott was there. And I'm like this new teenager going, "This is my life, guys." You know, and Ed Cooney came up with two girls and goes, "Look, Tom, if you're going to be a pro, but like in front, like like us, yeah. you're going to travel first class, stay in a suite because when you go on stage, you'll feel like a star." Yeah, yeah, you've got to feel like it, right? Yeah. And he he really the key times people emphasize things to me a lot. The other you know the older pros, I'm like, okay, I mean I can state every like Robbie what Robbie said the way what he Robbie never talked just the way he walked he was like a like a panther you know like yeah a, yeah amazing specimen Robbie and a great guy yeah. yeah I always thought how can I how do I do that as a short white guy you know I, mean, I, I can't be that and then I can't be Zane you know this no. crazy guy you know and I thought Franco was the closest but uh I mean I I just that show it was you know I told this to Samir a while back I said it's the bet best thing that ever happened was losing that night and he he says he had this look like horrified look and i said no really i mean if i would have won once or twice okay great it'd be nice to have the trophy nice to have the sandal remember zane told me though look i keep my sandal and keep my door open to the gym i put it in my it's my doorstop <laughs> you know i probably had the sandal in in some storage space somewhere in europe yeah. you know? i mean the trophy i respect the title don't get me wrong I respect the Mr. Olympia. I wanted to be Mr. Olympia most of my life. It's every bodybuilder's dream if they're honest, whether they dream that they could or they would like it if they, you know, it's every bodybuilder's Or it used to be, you know, things have changed now with the whole industry's changed a lot, but it used to, it's just the undisputed pinnacle of the sport, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, and but I, I got to the point to where into the 80s, I was like, I'm not going to please the judges. I, don't, I love the judges. They're all friends of mine, but I'm not going to try to please them and go, am I good enough? Am I good enough? I would like, I'm going to show them what I did this year. And it, I'm going to show them how it goes humbly, according to me. Yeah. And I mean, every judge, I guess, pulls in their country at least four or five times. And like, whatever money you want, we don't care. Wear, wear the red trunks, pull, bring ride like the wind, that music, and then put, twist and shout, we want you there. And I guess yeah, they yeah, like then, then they know they've got a, a guaranteed sellout. Yeah, so that was like because uh, because you were the guy at the time that everybody wanted to see, and the only way to see you is to go to see you in person, right? Go to a contest, go to a seminar. The only way to listen to you is to go to a seminar, and uh, that was 
uh, the appeal for for me and the British bodybuilders was uh, because this is something freaky, you know, with the legs. Like, how, what the hell is this? We've never seen anything like this before. Um, but it, it was also really about the energy and the uh, the enthusiasm that you brought to the whole thing, to the posing, to the talking. Obviously, this guy, he fucking loves what he's doing and is passionate about it. And, you know, that, that was somebody went before me that's like, I think that you were like, let, well, let's push the boundaries then. You know, let, let's see what we can do. And for me, this was fascinating. Like, what can I do with my body? Like, yeah. can I can I take it a little step further than I have, or a little bit step further than anyone has before? And you know, it's it's kind of uncharted territory, and it's all up to you. Man, or no man's gone, like Star Trek. Yeah, you know? Exactly. I was with it. And uh, the 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 passion that you had for the training, uh, that that's what I loved, and that's what I loved about those times. And um, although Likewise. you are you are to blame. Not really, but you are to blame a little bit for an injury I have because Tom Platz was the man, right? And the squat rat was the altar. And this is this was this is what how it was in the gyms in England at this time, the hardcore gyms. They were not fitness gyms, they were proper gyms, you know, with powerlifters and bodybuilders and knee wraps and smelling salts and chalk and all that stuff. You know? I used to love going to England. England was like all right, it's serious training, you know. Some other yeah. countries like you know, la la la. But I think, I think it's uh, like, kind of um, we got that. Not not now, but I mean, historically, we got that kind of working man. There's a lot of pits and car factories and plants, and guys used to pride themselves like on, on hard work. And I oh, say yeah. to people like, "You going to gym for an hour? You think that's hard work? I try going down, working in the pit." under the ground for 10 hours a day, breathing in shit every day just to feed your family. That's hard work, man. You know? That's right. So, you know, <laughs> I, I never complain about hard work. We're very privileged to be able to do and live the life that we do just from going to the gym and, and doing what we love, right? Oh, you said privileged. I think we are. We're very yeah. privileged to have lived the life we did and still have the life we have. I mean, what, what an opportunity. What a gift from God. I mean, holy. Yeah. We, we, how, we how, many, how many countries have you been to, Tom? I think. I mean, I don't. I've never sat. I'm going to one day write down, sit and write it. But I never did. I don't know if you have. You know, I, I just wanted. I went to every country there is, with the exception of. Uh, I even went to East Germany when the wall was still up. Wow. I remember going over to, you know, going. Come on in. Leaving through. I went through the wall in this one little entranceway. And I'm like, oh, my God. You know, I'm in East Germany, and what if yeah. I don't get back? Maybe they'll, you know. <laughs> but it was great. I mean, uh, the you know the fans were tremendous, and yeah. uh, I just, you know, and I, even the guards were like, "Hey!" You know, they all lifted weights, and I was like, "This is cool, man!" You know, even going through customs was like, "Oh, come on, move over here." You know, here's yeah. a T-shirt. You know, I would just give them a T-shirt or something because you know we. Was part you're of you're traveling the world, but you're not traveling the world like a. Uh, a normal tourist or something. You're going to a country where people are going to be waiting for you and to give you a great reception and, and show you around and show you stuff that you'd never, like, you you know, you wouldn't know that. You go somewhere as a tourist, you get a totally different experience from going, and I'm sure you could call somebody up in wherever and say, hey, I'm I'm I'm, I'm coming over next month. And they'll be like, cool, I'll be there and, and I'll meet you and, and help you out and everything. Oh, you know, yeah. you have friends. We have friends all over the world. I mean, any country we go to, 
there's a yeah. friendship base because and, of money. and uh, the money is good we made good money i think we made a living and uh something for me it was never like like i remember reading about uh flex wheeler like he's planning on what pro show is going to enter how much it's he's going to win i'm like yeah i never looked that the money uh, i was like i'm gonna go to the show and yeah. i have to do the show the money was a side effect exactly that that was the thing i like to have the money in a way yeah yeah sure i like man. to have the money because i had the big house and the nice cars so basically i could go like this to the system you know like exactly. <laughs> i did it my way i didn't do it what you wanted me to do i did my way and this is worked for me and this is the way i live my choose to live my life and not the way that's trying to like society is trying to yeah. dictate that I should be, you know, I think nowadays everybody wants to fit in somewhere and there's nobody knows any idea how to fit in, especially without getting into politics and, you yeah. know, but the, this is, this is how you control people. You know, you put them in, uh, groups, you know, we, and, and we're very careful not to associate with clubs and groups and sects. And, uh, you know, yeah. we got the same thing now with nutrition, right? What are you? You're vegan, you're a vegetarian, or a keto, or a, a this or a that. And uh, no, keto is better. No, vegetarian is better. It's like, you know, all, all, all these little groups, that's how you control people because they're not united in any kind of purpose. You yeah, know? Exactly, exactly right. You're exactly right. That's the essence of communism, socialism, and what I, how Divide I'm and like. conquer is the old strategy, you know? Oh, I, the philosophy I've been reading about, uh, Eka Pernis, who is a philosopher, and then in you know, 270, 308 BC, he had this attitude that humans should chase happiness, no matter what. You cheat, lie, steal, it's okay. You're just going to yeah. die anyhow, so be happy. Whatever makes you happy, that was his his philosophy. And I believe the, like, I'm sure, the Democratic Party here in the United States has adopted that mentality. Whatever you got to do to lie, cheat, steal, you know, just do it, and that's okay. As long as you make money and you're happy and you die, then that's all that happens. You die. No, I, I, there's, there's consequence to everything that you do uh you know things that you've done in your life uh, they've affected many people in many ways my, myself uh, included so everything you do it's like dropping a pebble in a in a water you know everything has everything has an effect even even your thoughts have an effect you know you you had to believe uh, to a certain level otherwise you wouldn't do what you did, it's very simple. If you didn't believe in it, you would not do it, right? That's pretty cut, cut and dry. Positive. It causes where we are now. It, we're, we're responsible for what happens to our life. Causative. And most yeah. guys blame somebody else. They blame politics. They blame Joe Weider. Or, hey, you know, you make politics work for you. Do whatever you got to do. But just Every, Everything's down to you. You know, it's like you're... <laughs> Your your life is is your projection and it's your movie and people come into your movie depending on you you know and they treat you in a certain way depending on you so they're just all bit players in your movie that's the way I look at it and it's your movie and you're responsible for what goes in your I, I have, uh, have to your laugh movie. right now because we're both excited this is wow you know about yeah this uh, energy life man you know we're here to to live the life. And I, I tell my kids, uh, like, this is the most important thing. Just be yourself and always question everything and, and make your own conclusions and, and live your own life. But don't just follow. Create, make your own path, whatever that is. And I'm not here to tell you what it is, but that's what I can tell you. You know, you can be within physical boundaries, pretty much what you want, what you put your energy into that's going to bring it up, right? 
Well, you know, there's, I, I certainly believe that dreams come true. If you have a, a dream, you can make it happen. You can chip away at it and become, you know, become president. Okay, no problem. Let's, let's work on it, you know, because I've been around people like that. I've been around Trump, Vince McMahon, Arnold, guys that make millions or billions. And I'm like, their attitude was like, what do you want to do? Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, positive. Arnold, yeah. Arnold said to me when I went to California and I, and I met up with him, he goes, this is America. You can do anything you want to do here in, in broken English. I'm like, yeah. wow, I never thought about that. It took a guy from Europe or Austria to tell me about that. And I go, that's, well, that's, that's his perspective because he's coming from outside where a guy that's born there, he might not be that aware of it because it's it's, uh, it's his norm, right? Is 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 exactly. there all the time. He was thrilled to be in America. I'm like, yeah. Wow, I guess I'll feel the same way. Let's do it, you know. Yeah. And so I had some great teachers. I mean, I, I, I really, I got to tell you, they, all the guys took me aside or gave me ideas. And the girls, the girls taught me a lot about that stuff and how to pose. I remember reading that. Who was the girl? Uh, she had a blonde hair. Oh, where, know, where and when? The girl that told you to do that one. I can't remember. I read the story somewhere. You see what a what a fan I am. I read everything. Hey, I read all your stuff as well, man. I got to tell you that. I watch everything you do. I'm like, oh, he's he's right on. He's right on with that. I got to tell you. I mean, we're all each other's fans. We are. We love this stuff. Yeah. I still, I still love going to the squat rack and putting plates on. Going, and have that that's that one second one iota of doubt. You go, ah, fuck, fuck doubt. I'm gonna get. Yeah, yeah. That that that's always there, right? You know, that, that's what people got to realize. I, I think when, when you look at people that you admire, you see their success and you see and you think everything is always easy or is always cool for them or something. But I mean, everybody goes through life with uh, ups and downs and uh, we're all going to lose some people, you know, we're going to lose somebody we love uh, and uh, we all go through these things. It's life. So it's never smooth for anybody right it's just no how you how you approach that road that goes up and down and that's up and like down. If, if you go to where it's the same that's when you're dead with it flatlined yeah. <laughs> it's when you when it's fine it's always the same but life is up and down and sideways and i gotta tell you now being 68 years old i look back and go i'm excuse me i'm glad that ha i get excited so when i bang the computer i everything that happened deaths divorces separations yeah. It's the best thing that ever happened in my life because here I am now. If it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be centered where I am now. I you say know? the same things many times in seminars because people are saying, do you have regrets? Are there things that you would change if you could? And I'm like, well, I don't look at it like that. I mean, there's things that I'd learn from. Yeah, but I wouldn't go back and, and you know, let's say in 97, I tore my tricep tendon and it ended my career and it was very, uh, very traumatic. Mm -hmm. but would I go back and change it and have that tricep not the uh, no because it got to me to where I am now and I'm, I feel very centered and very happy and uh, balanced now and uh, look back on my career with no regrets because I know when you know that you give your best man I mean you're not going to look back with any kind of regrets that would be the worst thing right to look back and say I could have Done yeah. better than that, man. Oh, I get so many people asking those questions all the time. But I, when you train the way we did, no matter what, you win. No matter yeah. what, it's like guaranteed winning. Because you walk on stage going, I did it. I'm totally spent, and here I am. Let me show how it goes. And I think if you don't train that way, or that philosophy or that mentality, you're at, you're at, at the will of whoever's watching you. Maybe, maybe they'll vote for you, maybe they won't. Uh, yeah. 
I just got tired. Even now when I work with actors, I said, make it, make a decision on the character, make some decisions and go in and show the director how it goes according to you. You'll feel confident. You'll look confident. You'll project better. And if the director says, look, try it my way. No, I like your way better. That's what worked. That's what worked for me. I mean, I didn't win the show, but uh, I don't know. It's almost like I did. I have the life of, in, you know, and the income and the financial life and the mentality, spiritual component. I mean, you, you were the bodybuilding star of the 80s, man. I mean, there was nobody that was in demand as much as you were. Well, it was, it was nice of, uh, I mean, I, I remember that. I remember after the 81, Arnold was going into acting more and more. And Arnold, I saw Arnold and he goes, look, I want to have everybody contact you because I'm going into the movies and films and I'm busy doing that. Is it okay if I have him contact you? So I'm like, yeah, sure. Let's do it. You know, and so pretty soon it's like, okay, I'm getting Arnold's fees and then, you know, other major athletes that are like getting 10,000 to show up for the half a day. I'm like, I'm getting, I'm like, holy smokes. It was like, he opened that door for me. I mean, I got to tell you, I mean, you know, he, he's a, he's a, he's a ruthless kind of guy, but he's very generous as well. Sort of reminds me of McMahon and, and Trump, yeah, you know, yeah. they get what they want and they have a dream and they get everybody around them, an army to make it happen. And uh, it's, it was great being, and learning from all the people that I had the opportunity to learn from. And, you know, it's like, I have no, imagine being like yourself, being 10, nine or 10 years old, having no doubt. This is, this is what you're supposed to do in life. It was absolutely no doubt. There's something inside, right? That when you lift those weights up and you, and you, I don't know if, for me, I was doing karate when I first lifted some weights. And I was like, I like this better. I just like it. It's challenging me more. You know, it's like, I don't know, like uh, maybe you're built for it mentally or something. I'm not quite sure what it is, but uh, I knew that that was what I could be good at and what's, what I love doing. Oh, yeah. I mean, I thought, I thought back then when I was really young, like little kid, about being a priest. You know, I was raised in the Catholic environment. Yeah. And I, 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 or bodybuilding, <laughs> priest or bodybuilding. I thought, well, he, if you become a priest, you can't have the girls and stuff like that. So I don't know if I could do that. It's a big one. But I can, you know, but I think that my calling then became bodybuilding. That was my answer to life and the reason I existed. And it was a vocation. It was like, I'm going to, I'm going to, my life for the rest of my life is going to be bodybuilding, just like, a, or a, be a priest. But I had the devotion and that, that a calling to say, that's it. I don't care what, what I don't care how I feel, it's going to happen. And, you know, and I think you had, a lot of the same things, I'm sure. There's something about giving all your, all your energy to something, to some pursuit. There's something very, um, and, and tough when you don't. Like myself and a lot of people that retire from, from uh, competitive sports. You can still go to the gym, but it's somehow it's not the same because you don't have that. You know, you don't have that target, that goal that uh, that you had before, and. Uh, I don't know. I'm not a biochemist. I'm, I'm going to speak to some guys on the podcast, but I have a theory that, you know, your, your pleasure, uh, chemicals in your brain, dopamine reward that you get so much dopamine release from these workouts, especially when you're under stress and you're under mental and you're going for a contest. And it's like every day is like, uh, is a battle, you know, every day is a battle. And I think you get a kind of high from doing that. And then it's, it's taken away. It's like the movie Braveheart, you know, like Mel Gibson, like, yeah. God, 
and they just, I would go to battle for him anytime. And it's this, yeah. you feel like a soldier, like you're gonna lead the the, the crew, lead the, the whole army to their to success, to victory. I'm like, every day was like that. It was like there's yeah. no what a life, what a life to lead. So every day you're gonna go in a battle and you're gonna win. Yeah, I exactly. mean, I, I mean, this is a this is a massive. I should imagine dopamine. So we get boxers and bodybuilders and and sports people when they retire. I mean. Anyone that retires from their vocation is is going to have a bit of a tough time transitioning, probably. But I think it's very very tough for athletes because they got that absolute uh, focus. And then people say, "Well, how did you get over it?" Well, it takes a bit of time. But then I realized, hey, you know what? If I don't want to go to bed at eleven thirty tonight, I don't have to. <laughs> if I don't want to eat six meals a day, I don't have to. I, I if I want to travel just for fun and go on safari to Africa, I can do it. I mean, I can do what I want now. So kind of like had to look at it differently, but it takes a little time, I guess. It does. In fact, I remember when you were going through that, I was watching you. I, yeah. Yeah, I was observing it through the magazines and through the internet. Friends I knew that knew you, and I, I was like, yeah. yeah, I know that feeling. I know that feeling. We didn't talk back then. Maybe yeah. it's good we didn't, but... Uh, you know, it all it all works out. And, uh, you know, and now it's just amazing the life we can lead now. Still retired some years ago. I think it's just it's, we're supposed to be who we are. That was our reason we exist. I believe in destiny. I really yeah. do. I believe. In fact, I always make up stories like when God was making humans, he's, he, he, he said to us, and I'm, I'm making this up. Okay, it's a story. Yeah. Look, I want to give you these talents you're not going to remember anything when you get on earth. But when I put you on earth and you have that feeling like you have to do it, that's yeah. me talking to you. Yeah, it's uh, absolutely. I believe it's like that. And uh, I think you've got like a guidance. Yeah. yeah. Like a guidance system, you know, like we all have. We all know. Uh, I'm a big fan of Bob Marley. And he, he said, like, if you want to know what's right and wrong, just like it's there. Like, just, you know, don't tell me you don't know. You know, <laughs> right? So we know. it's we there. Know. And when you're on track, you feel it. You feel at peace. When you're not on track, you don't feel at peace. And then you're trying to, it's like, you're trying to be the wrong avatar. A lot of you know, you're, you're, you're Tom Platts, the bodybuilder, and you're trying to be Tom Platts, the car salesman or something. Yes, yes. yes. You're not going to feel good. You can make a lot of money not doing what you're supposed to do in life. And carry yeah, but that's nothing. You're still not going to feel good because no, you're not no, on the right you're not in the right track that was that's, that was kind of meant for you, I suppose. I, I absolutely. I, I think everybody has that ability to see that. But most people, especially young people, they cannot be quiet. I always say to the 20-year-olds, be yeah. quiet for 15 minutes. Turn everything off. Uh, my cell phone. Uh, you know, I mean, to be totally quiet and meditate, as you know, yeah. all of a sudden, you know what to do. You know what it comes to you. And I even tell the young guys, if you make the wrong decision, hey, life will spit you out. You get another shot, you get another chance. Yeah. You got to do something. You can't feel like you're entitled or you can't, you know, they want to be, they want the prestige. They want to, to be the, the respect. I go, you got to earn respect. What is it you love to do? Uh, what do you have passion for? Yeah. Uh, I'm like, man, you know, I guys, the 20 year olds who have our attitude, our belief system. I'm like, you're gonna kill. You're gonna be president. Yeah, if the, if there is any, I mean, they're they're hard to come by now. The the young guys that are really uh, driven. Just, just a little story. Me and my friend, we're, we're both sixty, but you know, we're 
in shape, 60. Uh, we, we took a young guy with us, 25 years old, up hiking up the the hills. And halfway up there, he give up. He's like, I don't, I can't do it anymore. And we were like, look at each other, and we we're like, can you imagine that we would actually do that when there was a 60-year-old guy and we couldn't keep up and we would admit it? We would go until we died. Like, there's no way we're going to fucking say to a 60-year-old guy, you're, you're better than me, you're stronger than me. I mean, it just wouldn't do it, right? right? You never bow down anybody. I'm doing it. I can do it, you know. But it's a less physical world we live in now, so I think that's yeah. why. You know, the technology technology is very addicting to to your brain. Tell me, Tom, when you, when you went in the gym, uh, take me back. You're going in the gym, right? You're going in the gym and you're training. How, how do you feel? Where's your head at? Is it like, did you feel that the rest of the world disappears? Yeah, oh, I, I was the muscle I was training. Yeah. Everything else did not matter. It didn't even exist until after yeah. I allowed it to enter back in. I mean, my, my girlfriends at the time and my training partners were like, oh, man, you're crazy. Just relax a little bit. I go, no, I can't. This yeah. is what I'm – I have to put this – I have to go after something here and get it done. And like my girlfriend, my first girlfriend back in late – late middle 70 or late 70, she's like – she was like horrified of me getting ready to go to the gym and she'd watch me training I'm like, really have to do this yes i do you know and you know it you know what you're supposed to do when you're doing like again when you're doing what you're supposed to do in life whatever it takes but this is you know beyond the physical in the gym we know you know it's well documented the physical effects of, of building muscle and, and strength but the um the psychological benefits as well that, that the fact that you've switched off from your work you've switched off from your relationship you've switched off from the bills and everything that's normally flying around your head is disappeared. So I always said it's a form of meditation, although it's like, you know, I'm not sitting still here. I'm lifting weights and I'm making a noise and everything. But in my head, I'm just in one place. I'm just in that muscle. I'm just in that breathing and, and I'm in that moment. And this has got to be a big relief for your, for your brain, right? That at least for an hour a day, you don't have to think about all that stuff. You know, and I, I, I guess, you know, in a way, I guess we were being selfish, but I think it was required for us to get where we had to go. I mean, I, I look at guys that have, you know, six kids or five kids and a wife and a house and a dog, and, and they, they want to train to become Mr. Olympia. I'm like, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard because you have so many things going on in life to take that. It's not just an hour a day. It's prepping for that hour a day. You know, and, the, and, and dealing with the recovery afterwards, which is requiring the correct nutrition at the right time and uh you know i used to be like religious to get 10 hours of sleep a day oh absolutely yeah i would get eight hours at night or get two hours in the afternoon after my workout and that was like non-negotiable you know? um right. so tom i want to look at a little talk a little bit about the what they call now performance enhancing drugs and, and steroids and everything um yeah, i mean it's fair enough to say it's been around since i don't know when like so certainly, Larry Scott, the first Mr. Olympia, he he said he was yeah. using Dynaball. So we know back, probably from the early sixties. I've read Steve Reeves touched a little bit of that, a little bit of Dynaball. Okay. I don't know that for a fact. I don't. Yeah. That's what I read. But I, you know, Larry Larry Scott, yeah, you know, yeah. So you know, is is part of the sport, and uh, <clears throat> I guess increasingly so, right? I think too much. Okay, you know, there's too much emphasis on it. Like when people don't want to ask you about your training anymore, 
Like trainings are irrelevant. Do anything you like. Just take a lot of stuff, right? Play around yeah. half reps. Play around. But take this and take that. Four yeah. grams a week. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, wow. If I had, if I was like, if I take, if I was when I was 20 and 19 and 18 and getting into you know competing uh, in the Mister Michigan and the Mister America and the Mister Universe, if they would have told me I had to stay in my apartment and eat six, eight times a day and not talk to anybody and you know. And I, to me, bodybuilding was about abundance and prosperity. Arnold, the guys, the girls, the Corvettes, palm trees. The, you know, I'm like, oh, great. It added to my life. It wasn't sacrifice, pain, and punishment. Oh, yeah. It was that too, but it was worth it in the gym. And But it wasn't about deprivation. You know, when I went into bodybuilding, life became bigger for me. You know, it, was, it added to my life. It didn't take away, and I wasn't some hermit, uh, you know, not enjoying life i had to categorize and plan yeah. when i was gonna like i you know, I wouldn't go out to concerts or something and i would call ricky wayne and say you wanted some tickets i'm not going to go anywhere today you know yeah. that kind of stuff i would i would organize it compartmentalize my train my life but you know i had a great time in bodybuilding i mean we're not to california it was like what do you want to do there's girls everywhere there's surfboards and it was very you can get distracted very easily yeah, that's so why I, I didn't move there. <laughs> if I'd have moved there, I'll be you'll be talking to a three times Mr. Olympia, maybe. I don't know, you know. It was uh it was too much good times there for me. I would keep myself away from that. Just because I was always like I I had a bit of a different mentality. I was a bit like, Well, you know, if I taste a little bit of cake, I might eat the whole damn cake, you know. So better I don't eat that little bit of cake. Modern guy days, modern guys seem like nowadays they do that. I mean, I would train early in the morning, like at seven. So nobody was in yet. And I could finish my workout and do it. That was when they all got in and then go home. And I had to you know, get on the phone for three or four or five hours, promoting myself around the world, answering, you know, when, when I'm going to come to this country or that country. I was, it was a business. It was yeah. a business for me. It paid the mortgage. Yes, it did. It bought me the cars. Yes, it did. It paid for my lifestyle. And I, I, it was great. You know, it was great. Um, but it is. It could be if you allowed it, like you you didn't allow it to be distracting. It would be. It could be. Oh, you know, you know, oh, some of the things that happen in California is like. You know, you know. <laughs> I know. I heard. <laughs> I heard, man. So, uh, how how was your steroid use, uh, Tom? Like, when did you start? Like, uh, and how did that go? Just to give us an idea. I mean, uh, I mean, I was involved in bodybuilding in the eighties in the UK, so I kind of know what people were doing more or less then. But what what were you doing, and what was the general, you know, thing that guys were doing at Gold's Gym? Who you're all prepping for contests and everything, and you're all talking and sharing information. I mean, what what was be kind of a standard approach? Every time I talk about this, the young twenty year olds go like, "Oh, he's lying. Yeah. He's just so old. He forgot." I have documentation. I have journals like you did. Yeah. We go, we tells you everything I took and everything. I could show you the journals and say, okay, here's what I did. Now, in between contests, I would try something that was more stronger, like parable and which is like the old time. I didn't like, it. I was like, Oh my, I didn't respond well to high androgens. I'm like, Oh, I'll be like nervous, wrecked, sweating. And I go, I can't wait till it wears off. That's me. Okay. So it's like a mental uh, thing from the androgens. You get too, too hyper. Some people do with the trembolone. So when I remember when I talk about, they, they saw me doing videos at different, like one in New Zealand where I talked about that. And, you yeah. know, the, 
higher dosages and experimenting with that. That, that was true at that time. But more, every Olympia, I, I laid in the sun three hours a day, okay? Salt water, the tan, and it yeah. was 20 milligrams of Winstraw and a shot of DECA, maybe, maybe 200 milligrams a week of DECA. That was it. That was my yeah. approach to the Olympia. And it was very unsophisticated. Okay, but it was like the salt water, the beach work for me. I got big during the off season and I just got really quality, that saran wrap skin, especially in 81 where I just like yeah, 81, the condition was crazy, man. I mean, what, what were you doing there, like diet wise? Were you uh, low calories for a long time or low carbs? Or what was your approach at that 300 time? 300 grams of carbs a day. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but I started, you know, high and gradually yeah. reduced my calories. My protein was never more than. 200 maybe a little maybe a little bit less calories or you know progressively went lower but i would start about oh 3035 and alternate yeah, that many yeah. calories and i'd get down to maybe close to 2000 calories a day i'm like i'm i'm too ready i gotta bring up the calories i gotta stop the, the aerobic the cardio training i'm getting too close um so really very, it was, very similar approach to myself tom i just i had a bit more calories because i was Bigger, I guess, but I'd be like start around four thousand and end up around three thousand and drop the carbs maybe four hundred, maybe down to three hundred. Uh pretty much the same approach. So you were not a zero carb guy like the old school like Arnold and Zane, they were more low carbs, right? Did the low carb, zero carbs in the seventies. Uh it was, it was what Arnold did. Whatever Arnold did instead yeah. of muscle fitness, we did. Okay. Like okay, we were like, there's no there's no internet. And uh, you know, I did reasonably well on zero carbs or very low carbs but it wasn't really working for me and i met mike of course i knew mike Mentor, you did too yeah. and mike and i had these conversations he, he would talk to me about what i learned in college and he goes you're what you learned was right here's what's gonna you know so i decided through many conversations with him i'm gonna go on high carbs for yeah. the Olympia. i'm gonna go to 300 grams a day that was huge coming from 25 a day yeah. And all of a sudden, I'm in the gym, and I'm like, I'm bigger than ever, and I'm in better shape than ever. I'm like, oh, my God. And it's, that was 81. And yeah. I walked on stage. It was like, it's time to do business. You know, when you first turn pro, it's like, you know, you sort of, you're standing You're the new, you're the new kid, right? And the new kid on the block. Yeah, the new kid on the block. Yeah. But I had pictures of Zane and Corny and Arnold and Ravi on my bedroom wall when I was a kid. And to be standing next to these guys, I was like, do I belong here? But after three years, and carbohydrates working for me yeah. it was like let's go let's it, it, it was it was like people were people were like what's he taking horse gh or something you know but it was just i mean you do 40 you do 50 rep squats of 405 for a couple of times a week or every other week i mean it's the gh release and is on huge i didn't have gh back then but i had squats yeah, and that's what I think the young guys don't remember. That, that. was a, that was the rumor because they had those little. I think they had like booklets, right? You have some booklets like leg training. Yeah, yeah man, those freaky really shots in there, man. Then probably took at the eighty-one Olympia around there, I guess. And then the one where you're bending over with the hamstrings. That was after the eighty-one. Uh, yeah, you're also the reason that I always stretched. I always I saw you doing runner stretch, a hurdler stretch, and all that stuff, and and going right back and touching your toes. I thought that's impressive. That'll if I can do that. That'll shut people up. Like, oh, you're all muscle bound, you body, but you can't move and everything. So I've made a point of always doing that before I, uh, before I train legs. But we, in 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 the UK, we were like, we were convinced that you were the growth hormone guy. That you would have, 
you know, because this is like, this is, come on, this is from another planet. This is something else, you know? That's So that's what the kind of, the word was, yeah. The high carbs and, you know, like 405 for sets of 40 and 50 reps. I mean, yeah, well, it's <laughs> Not many people can do that, Tom. It's like, that's I mean, amazing. I was able to delay oxygen debt. Yeah. yeah, 50 reps. I put the bar back. Wasn't breathing hard yet. Then I I, I just fall on the yeah, floor, take yeah. the belt off. I was able to circumvent oxygen debt. A lot of these guys who try to beat this record that I set, supposedly, it was never a record. I was just playing around. And by the way, it's kind of funny how when you do something and you're you're accomplished at it, most people think, "Oh, it's too easy. It didn't look right. It must not. Have, it was fake weights." Yeah, it looks easy when you're doing it right, even though it's not right. But I was in front of ten thousand people that day, doing yeah. you know uh, we went to seven thirty five. I did seven thirty five for a single and went down to five twenty five. It was like a feather. It's like man, this is a good party reps. And you're doing it on stage as well, like without a cage and everything. Oh no, exactly. We got ten thousand people yelling your name and yeah. counting in German. I'm like, so after about ten, I go, I got to calm down. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna make more than ten unless I can relax my rib cage and yeah. breathe. Start smiling on purpose, and they're like, "Oh, you're just fucking around," you know. But it was <laughs> it was a fun thing I did, you know, and, and I enjoyed it, and you know, had a good time with Fred Hatfield, who squatted a thousand pounds when it is prime. Um, but getting back, I mean, I guess the carbohydrates and uh, the Menser's mentality, and which became our mentality of training to failure, case of Viator. Casey Theater in the gym. I'm like, wow, that's the way. Yeah, to train. I, I, ne I never met the guy, but I saw the pictures and I saw how what kind of weights he could lift and everything. He looked like a beast, you know. He was. I mean, he did when he was like 18. He did 500 pound squats for 15 reps. So oh. I'm like, that's my goal. I'm yeah. going to do that, you know, just because I know I could if I just gradually increase slowly. It wasn't like all of a sudden I just put on 500 and did it. You work your way up to where yeah. you're like. You're pretty sure you're gonna do it, you know. I mean, so people are like, when I did the kind of reps, people are like, oh, "He's gonna crazy," but it wasn't like I was gonna blow my intestines out or anything. I knew, I knew, pretty much, I could get 15, 20, 30 with a big weight. You know, it was yeah. training. It took me ten years, ten years to switch metabolism to to train my energy system to accommodate high reps. Because I was a three to five rep power lifter in my back when I was young. That's what built the foundation, yeah. Yeah, but it was like I was pretending to be a bodybuilder all those years. I was really a strength athlete, you know. But I it was more glamorous to be a bodybuilder. You know, the money, the girls, weeder, Hollywood. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to. So you get, I used to get a trophy from the winning the state championships in powerlifting. And, oh, great, a little trophy put on my uh, mantle. Uh, it's, it's, not, it's not sexy, is it, powerlifting? It's not like, uh, you know. <laughs> I don't want to go back to work. I want to train, you know. Yeah. But NABA, the NABA people, you know, they – all of our heroes back in the old days in seventies competed in, in the NABA. Of course, so I yeah. invented NABA, went to Weeder and uh, it was a choice I made when I retired, they invited me to come to the NABA dinner and they were going to honor me as one of the all time greats. I'm like, wow, NABA, I mean, they, yeah. Steve Reeves, Reg Park, Arnold Draper, you know, all these guys were big gigantic murals of them. And I had my picture there. I'm like, and so a lot of old buddies in England were there too. I'm like, oh, what a, what a recognition! I, you know, I was, Nava was the AAU. If they were the same. yeah, it was a, a lot of history there. I went to uh, when I first started training. I went to see Nava Universe in London. Yeah, and it was uh, Lance Dreher 
Australia. And yeah. uh, Tim Boutlamp. Yes. Tim Boutlamp was another guy that I uh, admired for his powerful physique. I saw him once in in, uh, in Birmingham, and I, and I went, he signed me an autograph, and his forearms were just like, you know, like shredded. I was like, no, yeah, that's, I, I like that look of, of a powerful physique as well. You know? He was a diabetic, right? And he yeah. used insulin. Before anybody even considered insulin, he used it. And I was like strategizing going, I wonder if this helps him. Yeah. Glycogen, glycogen uptake. Hmm. I'm like, I was like, I didn't have any answers at the time, but he was my, the first time I ever thought about that, which later was employed, of course. Yeah. But my, my steroid usage was, you know, very, very low, probably a little bit lower than the bikini girls. Yeah, what they do now. Yeah, the bikini girls will be doing that 20 milligrams of Winstrol or, or Anavar or something, you know? I know everybody that watches this is going to say, oh, Plath is lying. He's not telling the truth. He doesn't want to tell us the reality of how many grams he took a day. He's, you know, oh, he forgot he's so old right now. And all I can say to our listeners and our viewership is, hey, I got nothing to lose or nothing to gain. Oh. I really knew the truth in the way it was. And if, if, you re if I really wanted to prove it, I can pull out my journals, journals of over the last 20 years. And so, okay, here's what I did before the Olympian 81. Here's what I did before the Olympian 82. And not that I want to, I don't, I don't like talking about it a lot of times with you. I, I will. And I sort of vowed to myself. Say, That's enough. Well, it's, it's part of the game. And if we don't talk about it, there's an elephant in the room. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather, I'd rather talk about it. And, uh, don't hide anything. Just this is the way it is. This is what I do. And, uh, you know, everyone makes their decisions anyway. So, I, you know, in the off like, season, uh, when I was trying a little bit higher dosages or eating more, yeah. uh, I got so big. I look like a modern day bodybuilder. Like I got, I got two, I can't weigh 245. I was 245. Yeah. Closing at 225. And I'm like, I'm just too big. I went to, I remember going to Paris, to France and guest posing at 240, you know, all the guys nowadays are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I won't stand next to Zane. I'm going to look stupid. You know what I mean? And so I had to push my body weight down those years. So you didn't need higher doses. Maybe if you were a slimmer guy that didn't put on so much muscle and the standard was more muscle, then maybe you consider it if it was necessary, right? That didn't happen until oh. you. <laughs> okay. Huh. You brought that to light that, wow, enormous. And I loved it. I loved it. You're all the, the way I thought all those years. Especially in the art was like that's what I can do, but I got to sort of orchestrate it and design it so it I can look aesthetically. Pleasing. Yeah. Also, you, uh, I'm a bit taller than you, so I could probably carry more weight. And then, yeah, look, yeah, I'm like you're you know, five nine, uh, five ten and a half. So yeah, nearly five eleven. Five seven, five eight. Yeah. So it's like three or four inches uh, difference in the height, but you know, uh, eventually that's where I got to. You know, we go through your phases, but I got back to, I guess it was stripped back bodybuilding. I'm like, what is this? You know, like, what, what is it? Uh, I wasn't particularly interested in the art side of it. I was like, uh, what is it as a sport? Uh, build maximum muscle mass with good proportions and, uh, you know, as great a condition as you can get and combine those two factors together. And let's take those that as far as it goes. Like, that was kind of just, you know, I took it to the basics and, like, let's try and max it out and see see what we can do here. And, and I kind of stole your quote as well about the judges dropping a pencils, but I made it a bit more explicit. Hey, take them all, man. You can have them, you know? Yeah, no. You know, it's it, it, that's exactly 
it's amazing. Well, not really amazing. I think, you know, I was in England a seminar every night back in before. You were so popular in England and you were there a lot of times, but uh, I don't think I actually saw you because the times you were coming, it was like I was working on a nightclub or, or, or something. Yeah. I couldn't make it. And that, you know, that one night on the nightclub, I couldn't afford to take that night off and go see Tom Platt's because that was my food or whatever, you know? Um, but uh, the first time I saw you was at the 86. But I know you were there a lot before that because a lot of guys from the gym went to see you. And I know you um, You had a relationship with Ron Davis. Yes, Ron was a good, good buddy of mine. Yeah. Ron, Ron was the head of the Federation in England. He was a judge at the Mr. Olympia. And he's he the guy that took me aside. aside. He's the guy that took me aside and he's saying, listen, sit down here. He's like, you see this guy in the Mr. Olympia? I say, yeah, I know him. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're better than him. You can beat him. I'm like, Ron, what are you talking about, man? <laughs> like, you know, he's like, no, I'm serious. That, you can beat this guy. You can beat this guy right now. And you're just starting, man. So, you know, I, I was a little, wasn't quite so sure of myself then. It was all a big shock to me, like this attention and everything. But uh, yeah, he was a great guy and a great promoter for bodybuilding in, in uh, oh, UK. Right? A, I just, he taught me like the suit coat and the tie. The showman. He was the showman, right? Oh, it's showtime, baby. Yeah. You know, I loved it. And I just, you know, Bill Boyd was a... Yes, yeah, I remember Bill was your friend, yeah. Uh, and, uh, oh, God, I'm going back to so many, so many years now. Uh, I can't remember his name, the older older fellow who passed away that uh, was part of the IF, EFDB back then. Uh, that was Julian Feinstein, Wag Bennett, Diane Bennett. Uh, Bill, I know because Bill used to compete with me on who had the best hair, you know. He's a funny guy, Bill. <laughs> Bill was just, you know, he he came to visit me in in California a few times. And remember, yeah. I was in my, my Corvette, it was a 60 1960 Corvette. And you do 130, 120 miles an hour in this car, yeah. There's no, there's no power brake. Yeah, it's an old sports car, yeah. <laughs> I would like yeah. come to a turn, I'm like, fuck it. he's like. But he's holding on to the card, to the dashboard. I'm like, don't worry, we'll make it, we'll make it. No power steering. Oh, okay, got it. You know, you got power steering, got Tom Platts behind the wheel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there's no power steering, no power brakes in that car. Yeah. I know. Uh, Kevin Horton is a guy that used to do a lot of photography for me. I don't know if you yes, know Kevin. I remember that name. He had an old Corvette, man. I tried to drive that thing. I said, this is like a truck, this thing, man. I, you know? It is. It's it. It's real, like a truck for sure. Exactly. So I, I want to talk a bit about training and, and how often you were training, what was your approach? And I know you're influenced by, by Arnold and then you're influenced by Mensa, you know, who was influenced by Arthur Jones and Casey Viator. And, and you got all these different people that were around. Um, what kind of training did you kind of settle into that was, you know, good for you? Doing like I tried training with Arnold six days a week, you know, and sometimes twice a day. I got small and fat, and I go, I can't. I you got care. you got overtrained, right? It's too much. I can't do it. I'm I'm yeah. and I'm not an ectomorphic, long, lean, tall guy. I'm mostly a white fiber, squatty, powerlifter yeah. guy. I did much better when I when I left the gym for two weeks, got depressed, then came back after about two weeks and trained three or four times a week. I did great. I got bigger, stronger, looked better. You know, training um, with a lot of um, frequency to me was the worst thing for my, I would do it on occasion. Yeah. I remember talking to Mike Mentor, I would say, we can do high intensity and high volume and high frequency for a short time, short time, not very long. And I would be a week or two <laughs> before you hit the wall, right? I rested really hard when after squatting, like I did, 
I would uh, take two imagine. weeks. You're gonna take two, what, two weeks off or something, right? I, I would take two, not do people don't believe me. Then another thing, oh no. Yeah, I mean, we train that way, you know. It's, yeah, I, mean, I, I used to train legs once a week and I just about, you know. That's like after, yeah. after four or five days, like the soreness was kind of going away, and I felt like maybe I'll be all right, <laughs> you know, when it comes around more or less six or seven days. Um, I used to have to time my training, my leg training, because I was going on stage every weekend. I had to have some facsimile of flicky legs. I couldn't look too puffy. So I would, that's the reason I adopted two weeks. I, I could put up my exhibitions and look really good, get on stage and still not be totally sucked out and, you know, wasn't show ready, but people would see what they wanted to see, the legs and inspirations yeah. and that stuff. But I, I pretty much, to answer your question, I was like, I didn't train like Arnold and I didn't train like Menser. I was sort of like in the middle. Yeah. Okay. And uh, three or four days a week, four days a week was the most I could ever do. And how did you tear your bicep? I was doing flies. And this stretch is just on the flies. The 82, 80, 81 Olympia. And I'm traveling around the world and I'm, you know, Arnold retired. I'm making more money than ever in my life i'm like oh my god i do all this money i'm like excited as hell i'm like a little kid every weekend on stage europe three four months out of the year and i i i think what happened is just i accepted and wanted and needed and embraced so much stress something had a give and i believe we're all causative as we talked about i believe that was my way out like oh you know the, the bicep tour it was a stupid injury uh, like yourself, you can't go back. And go. Oh, I wish I didn't do that. Yeah, I know. It happened, and then, uh, but then you know, I think in the magazines, can he make it back? Arnold did the same thing with his knee. Can he recover the Rocky theme? Can he come back after the injury? And you know, there's. I think mostly I was able to come back pretty strong, but I think my the business of bodybuilding, the weekend exhibitions, and the seminars and traveling got the best of me. Because I, I wanted that. I, I, I just thought that's where I belong. I don't belong not doing anything in training for the Olympian winning that. I said, I have to do both. You know, I challenged myself. But I I love the stage. I, mean, I love walking on stage and trying to have the guys squat. Yeah. And have the girls like, wow, oh, yeah. So how do you, they the girls tell me how to be, how to be a big man and be, be sexual too. And the yeah. music I selected, you know, like the, the Pointer Sisters, uh, tonight's the night, let, you know, it's going to happen. I'm like, you know, it was just, I was able to build that persona, if you will, which was an extension of me, a character. Well, I'm sure you can uh, still find your guest posing at the British Championship in 1986. You can still find that on the YouTube and when you're posing to twist and shout and, you know, you do the little thing with the leg and bang, I mean, the crowd's going crazy. Uh, and people have to imagine, like, it's so unaccessible. These superstars of bodybuilding, like like rock stars, that you only, I mean, you know, you see them in the magazine and then you see them in the flesh and it's like, whoa, the guy is real. I mean, I, I only know him from a cover of a magazine, but he's a real guy. Look at him breathing. Wow, shit. You know, it's, it's, it was like that, the impact. Well, because of TikTok, and you know, I'm, I'm not 20 years old. I, I have a great team. My yeah. wife, Cha, and uh, Jordan, and Reese, they're, they're in their 20s. Not my wife, but my, my, my guys are. And they know TikTok, and they put me all yeah. over TikTok. And all of a sudden, I go to the grocery store now, and I get teenage girls, Tom, yeah. and I'm running <laughs> like, you know me? How do you know me? It's got a whole new audience now. I got the teenage girls that watch all those old videos and stuff. Yeah. 
and it, it's it's very you know it's makes me feel, it's, it's a warm feeling you know and it, i i just want to give back to them and like hey you really want to do this or this is what you have in mind you can and whatever it is whatever it yeah. is and uh, it's uh but i think that tiktok thing has made me like i get a whole new audience i'm new to a 20 year old you know so you and i i'm gonna yeah, we're, we're the legends of uh bodybuilding that people get into the sport and they know the current scene and the people and then then they come across wow these these guys from the past you know and then they learn about us and uh you know yeah then you, then you got the legend status right I, I suppose i mean i never i never i always said to people like can't believe everything is written about you you know it's like it's it, it's in my heart and i never wanted to be this egotistical monster i'm like you know I'm like i can't be that egotistical guy that's uh full of myself uh that walks like, huge that's I, I met guys like that in hollywood and in different sports i'm like it's a, it's a weird it conceited arrogant Ooh, i don't want yeah, any you, uh, like they're setting them they're setting themselves up for a fall yeah yeah because they are believing somehow that they're better and life has a way of teaching <laughs> equalizing things and uh yeah you're not uh you know you oh, yeah. be a bit more humble and uh you know go through some stuff yourself and then you'll then you'll realize i felt you're very much the same way like that to where it's like you're good at what you did but you know i'm good at what i did but i can't change a fucking light bulb like <laughs> you know, my wife. I, I'm very good at what I did, but uh, I'm not very good at any other thing. So, <laughs> thanks God, I was good at this. You know, it's on the same way exactly. Yeah. I always call. Who can fix this? I've got to call somebody. You know, Tom. I just want a couple of more things before we finish. Um, I, 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 have you? Uh, I mean, what can you tell me about the 1980 Mr. Olympia with uh, with Mike and and Arnold and what happened there and. I mean, I read an interview by Mike that I did with Peter McGough, and he said to Peter McGough that he he was not uh, affected anymore about this situation. And but I could tell when he spoke to me, he really was, you know. And he was telling me Arnold's going to hate you because you're my friend and uh, all this stuff. And uh, what do you think about what happened at the contest? And what do you think about the the outcome? Let's say. Well, 1980 was my second Olympia. So I was just starting to get my feet wet. 79 was my first Olympia, 1980, my second Olympia in Australia, you know, and uh, Arnold, I saw him every day in the gym. He's looking better and better and better. And so I started wondering, oh, what's something's up here? He's not getting in that kind of shape just for a movie. There's something going on here. So I knew there was something. And then when he showed up on the plane, too, I'm like, uh-huh. Okay. So I sort of expected him to do that. Um May he rest in peace. Mike was a great guy. Mike was very good to me. Mike Menser, he would say, Tom, here before the 81 Olympia, here's the keys to my condo in Palm Springs. Go get some sun, whatever you need, man. You know, he was very helpful to all the guys were all the guys. Mike was especially helpful. But I think what Mike carried was the bitterness of losing to Arnold. To him, it was not subjective. And it was not a subjective sport, you know, and it was supposed to be accurate in in, what's the word looking for objective yeah. okay and according to the criteria that he had he should be the winner and i granted he could have won that night he was good you know, it wasn't i don't think he was really the best he was pretty close to where he, his best and he could have won 
uh, it's like Muhammad Ali coming back. You know, like uh, it's they're going to give him, they're going to throw it his way probably. And so I sort of suspected they would do that to Arnold. Arnold was good in a few shots. You know, that Mantis pose, some of those pose, like double bicep. He was good. It's like yeah. made you remember the Arnold of the 74. Okay. And sometimes you win when you're not supposed to. Sometimes you don't win when you're supposed to. And that's the way I sort of looked at it. It, it, it is, is subjective, subjective though. though. I mean, that's a fact, right? It's a subjective sport. We all know. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just wish that Mike could have said, all right, Arnold, Congratulations. 81, I'm like, I had the option. A split-second decision. Should I punch Franco in the face? Should I walk off stage with the rest of the guys? Should I congratulate him? And for some reason, God put it in my head. Go over and say, congratulate yeah. Franco. And, you know, I, I, I'm not that I'm that great of a sportsman. It just it felt like it was the right thing to do at that time. I think if Mike would have said, Arnold, I don't know how the fuck he did it, man. But, hey, great job. I'll see you next year. And oh, Mike would have been Mr. Olympia. Uh, probably not the next year. Because Franco was there, <laughs> but yeah. it probably in '82, in '82. But I think Mike could have. Mike was. Mike I don't was really there. have a, a strong opinion on it uh, myself. Watching some video footage, very little, I think, but pictures. Because uh, it's hard to say. But what struck me is Arnold's stature. Like on the stage, he is taller and is wider, and he got that, you know, armor-plated chest and everything. So just standing there. I was like, wow, Mike looks a bit small. Like, he looks a bit narrow. Like, his frame is not a big... Uh, Arnold's a big man. He's not a big man next to him. That's all I noticed. I don't know that if that was enough to carry it, plus Arnold's name and charisma and all well, of Well, there you go. There you, there you <laughs> check, 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 boom. Okay. Yeah. 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 And, uh, I mean, I... You know, Arnold was very good to me and very helpful and gave me pointers and, you know, threw work my way, if you will. I, I took a little bit of everybody. Everybody that I learned from a little bit of them, you know, a little bit of Ed Corny, a little bit of Arnold, a little bit of Mike, and put it together into what makes us, you know, I'm sure you did the same thing. I did the same thing. I did a uh, Rich Gasparri writing all the, you know, uh, uh, I started a thing in England because I read Rich Gasparri was eating baby food after his workout because it was a, you know, a quick convenient carb, a little baby food. So I started eating that in the gym and virtually within a couple of months, every gym in England got guys sitting down eating baby food after after the workout. So we're all we're all influenced by others. I mean, you know, it's amazing how that is. Yeah, I did. We did, we did the same thing when we were younger, yeah. coming. Up and but you know that I, the eighty Olympia got such bad publicity. I think Arnold's just like, okay, next project, movie. Yeah. And he did. He yeah. just tested himself off and kept going. And that's what I that's what I saw. I'm like, wow, here's a guy. It could have fell on his face. Yeah, and he got up and said, "I'm still the king. Let me show you." Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, let's let's move on. I mean, yeah, Mike, Mike, I, I did some training with Mike, and of course, he was like one of my idols, like yourself, before I started training. And uh, I was I was just surprised that he was not taking care of himself physically, like he wasn't in shape, which I like. Okay. You're not going to be a hardcore bodybuilder all your life, but surely if you're used to training and going to the gym, that's just something you're going to always do, I would assume. Oh, not to talk about negative things. Remember one day I was walking to Gold's gym uh, and Mike's in the gutter laying there like a drunken guy. I'm like, oh my God, Mike. He didn't hear me. I'm like, Then he walked in when we were training and warming up, taking his pictures off the walls. I said to my training partner, Tony, if I ever get like that, keep the pictures stay on the wall. Okay, don't let me do that. 
I was sort of making a joke, but I felt so sad for Mike. I'm like, Mike, you know, and then he sort of got a little better. And he's like, he'd be sitting outside smoking a cigarette. I'm yeah. Like, always between his clients said, train a client, come outside and smoke cigarettes. <laughs> and it, as much as I, it was funny and I laughed at him, I'm like, yeah. I was worried about him. I'm like, wow, Mike, you know, he, he was the guy that, you know, he intellectual, the guy that was the scientist, he had a great mind. I'm like, what a great bodybuilder. That's the way we should be, you know? The epitome of what a bodybuilder is all about. And, well, you know, we all have issues. And unfortunately, Mike uh, and his brother both passed away very quickly yeah. there. Yeah, I was um, friendly with Mike, and then we were going to do some clothing together. And uh, him and Ray, they had this strange relationship where they all like on a love-hate thing, I guess, you know. Uh, Ray was telling me that Mike shouldn't, Mike wasn't the one to like come up with the heavy duty and it was him. And there was always, you know, there was always this stuff going on. I mean, it's, I mean, you, I've seen that story in countless situations. Yeah. Even, uh, you know, my head goes right now to politics in the world, how, the, the situation, the environment of the world. And I, I guess the feeling I have is good always beats the crap out of evil, no matter yeah, what. Yeah, eventually. And you eventually win. Anyone, I didn't win the Sandow, but I had a great, great life, you know? And, yeah. you know, and I thank God. Okay, and sometimes it doesn't. It's not. It's not exactly a facsimile of your your vision, as it was with you. Probably exactly what you the vision you had, but no. goodness always prevails. The you know rights right always wins. Uh, evil dies, and that's been the history of the world. And I think it's in sport. It's in politics right now, which I'm very interested in. And I'm. I just can't stop looking at it and going, man. We got to do. What can we do? And I go to a Trump. Uh, event, I'm like, it feels so righteous. I'm like, wow, yeah, I, I, I'll say it. And a lot of our viewers will hate me yeah. because I like Trump, but I do. I think Trump's going to save the USA. Okay, I think he has. But I'll stop there. I'm sorry. Well, I, I mean, it's uh, Trump is a uh, a guy. I just thought he was an obnoxious business guy from New York. Um, but I saw he do. I saw he did some good stuff, and I saw that he didn't go to war with another country, which is fucking unique. So it's good enough for me. I met him before he was president year, uh, when I was with Vince McMahon. He introduced me to, to uh, Marla Maples and uh, Trump. And his, uh, he was very, you know, like, felt like, wow, being in this guy's presence, like, almost like, what do you want to do with life? You know, the way yeah. he talked and the way he walked was like, Life is meant to be lived and, and, and joyful. And I can, you know, he, he realized that with his situation, he could do anything he wanted to do. He went broke at one time and almost almost went bankrupt. He pulled yeah. it off. I mean, he's like, wow, that's as much as Arnold doesn't like him. I love him. Okay. And I, well, I, uh, <laughs> the way I look at it, Tom, is uh, he must be a good guy. Otherwise, all the uh, controlled media wouldn't be constantly attacking him. When there's when there's other politicians that's got much more dirt and uh, nobody seems to be saying anything, right? Look at Biden right now. He's he's God. Talk about a guy that's taking advantage of the system and taking money from China and his son. I'm like, well, you know, if that was Trump, he would be taken out of office. I kind of think uh, what's happening in this time is like everything that's been hidden. Like, you know, like Trump said, drain the swamp. So because there's water here and underneath there's hidden things, but the water is going down and many things which have been hidden is going to be 
coming, but it has to come at a certain pace because literally reality is not what people think it is. And it would be too shocking for them to know everything all at one time. So, you know, it's exactly. Trump exposed that. He exposed that. He had his own money. He didn't have to go to corporations and say, okay, I'll do that for you if you donate millions to my campaign. Trump had his own money, his own methodology, and he, he exposed the Democratic Party. I'm like, oh my God, this is what he did. I, I believe so. Yeah. They tried to get rid of him. How many impeachments did they go through? They tried to get rid of the guy. They can't no, get rid not. of the guy. He keeps, like the ener- the bunny, the energized bunny. Yeah, yeah. He, like, mu- he must have a passion because... Uh, in- <clears throat> Otherwise, it would be tempting to say, hey, look, I'm not 21 years old. I don't need all this shit. I don't need this stress. Let me go, uh, you know, chill out, do something else. I mean, if I, I keep thinking, if I'm 10 years old, I'm 68. If I'm, when I'm close to 77 or 76, his age, damn, I can barely do my schedule now and do appearances. Yeah. And I'm like, how does he do that? How does doing he do it on cheeseburgers as well, right? <laughs> He does it on cheeseburgers, apparently. Yeah, cheeseburgers in a private plane, you know. Okay, <laughs> and uh, Trump, the Trump Airlines are there. So what 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 do, what do you do now, Tom? To like uh, exercise, supplementation, hormones, whatever. To like, you know, to look after yourself right now. What what are, what are you doing now? What's your approach? I, I, I can get I can get crazy with politics now. That's the next arena for me, I think. But anyhow, I'll stop. Well, that. If that's where your heart's at, man, that's where you got to go, right? You we take on circumstance like bodybuilding was everything to me, and, yeah. and it still is. It's still very much a part of my life. Uh, six months into last year, I was training heavy again. I was two hundred and five, two hundred fifteen pounds. I was putting it together in the gym, just like the eighties. I thought it was like the eighties all over again. And uh, since then, I've lost about twenty pounds on purpose. It was like, you know, I just, I wanted to push the envelope, like, and relive the 80s in my mind. I have the 20-year-old guys around me, the 20-year-old girls. I'm like, I, they were like, God, it's, this is the 80s. This is better than the 80s, this set of bicep curls I just did. It's fantastic, you know. I couldn't do the same kind of weights I did in, in 1980 on squats. Uh, everything else I pretty much could. Uh, but, it, you know, I just, Amazing. as a almost a 70-year-old, I couldn't do as much, but, I, about once a week is all I could really do and recover. I tried twice a week, yeah. And I got my it wasn't we like oh I don't want to go to the gym again, but if I took a week off, you know, if I trained once a week, every workout was like yes, let's go, you know. And I I maintained that childlike attitude in the candy store, yeah. like yes. And that's all you know. I don't recover as fast. That's granted, I'm almost seventy, but I can train very close to what I did with most body parts with the exception of high rep squats. Uh, Now I'm sort of taking it easy, sort of my team told me your face looks so big when you're 215. Now that you're doing all the podcasts, reduce your face. They they sort of advise me. It's like running for a campaign. I I did a podcast with a a medical expert and we were talking about heart disease and, and bodybuilders and why bodybuilders get heart attacks. And he was a triathlete before and, and his friends were getting heart attacks with their triathletes so, you know so yeah. i'm assuming that they weren't taking uh, uh steroids but um and i asked him i said look because people say to me oh don't you wish you had all that size before and all that i'm like no not at all i mean it's just not of any use to me and uh when's the last time you saw a 300 pound 70 year old and they're like, uh, I say, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, whether it's muscle or fat, apparently just carrying that body weight, 
is not really ideal. As, especially as you get, you know, you have many things you could do when you're young. You can do crazy stuff when you're young and recover and have no consequences. But when you're older, it's not the same situation. So I think it's better if you brought your weight down a little bit. Listen, I, I enjoy, I tell the guys I train with, I enjoy being skinny sometimes. You can yeah. put on a suit coat from the rack and it yeah. fits them up. Oh, I want a lot of rides. It's great, you know? You said that one time too. Yeah, I was like, at one time I was like, isn't this crazy? I mean, I was laughing to myself because it's funny. I was like, I'm, a, I'm actively trying to lose muscle at the moment, which I fucking trained my ass off for years to get this. <laughs> now, but, you know, if I want it, I don't want it. I could, you know, put it back if I want. So I choose to make my body what it needs to be at this point in time. And it doesn't need to be that big. And, you know, I need to be mobile, right? I need to be fit and healthy and have no pain in your joints. And, exactly. you know, you all this Yeah. I can travel in airports better when I'm 180 versus 215. I, I just move better. I can get, you know, I can run around an airport. You know, I, I do things better, but it's being fun is kind of being smaller is kind of fun too. My the guys I train with are like horrified at that comment. Like, oh my God, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not 315, <laughs> 22 in yeah, young, young guys don't get it. I wouldn't have got it when I was young, <clears throat> but I kind of did because I remember when people were talking about Arnold, like, oh, now and he's not, I'm like, why would he? He's doing movies now. He's, 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 you know, he's as big as he needs to be for the role that he's doing. That's his job right now, isn't that? You know, he can he can lose a lot of weight like he did, but he's so tall. He looks still looks big. Now, yeah. when I lose a lot of weight, I look like holy shit. He got small. You know, I yeah. I think that he, like you talked about in 1980. He had that. He has that. Yeah, he's a big man. He's got a big big bone structure. So even if he's skinny, he's going to look uh, somewhat imposing. But uh, yeah, I'm, um, so you're doing a bit of weight training. You're doing any? Um, I know your wife, Char, she's quite into the spiritual uh, aspects and stuff. So you do meditation and, and breathing work and stuff like that as well. Everything you're doing, yeah. I look at you and I'm like, yeah, he finally saw the light. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> As he passed through the Mr. Limpy and the bigness and the strong, you get, uh, you get yeah. this place. Uh, well, you know, I was using anger and, <laughs> you know, uh, rage and negative energy. But it was good because I was burning out the negative energy. There wasn't anything left for you know to do any any harm. Girlfriend that left me, or the coach to kick me in the butt and told me I'd never be nothing. I was fired up every day to prove it to myself. I wasn't that loser guy, you know. Oh, I I remember the first time I won the Olympia. I put a picture on a wall of me with the big Mr. Olympia, and I said to all the non-believers, because there's always people that don't. I I, I say, I say thank you, and now you can kiss my ass. By the way. But a friend of mine said, a really good friend, is like, well, but why did you put that? Why didn't you put thanks to the people that helped you? I said, yeah, it's good, but actually the people that were saying, talking negative about me helped me more than the people yeah, that so were you talking helped me a lot more than you. Those, Those guys, guys helped me more, so that's why I put that there. You know, My football coach that told me I was nothing in junior high, mm -hmm. 20 years later when the internet came out, emails just started so the e the football team would email me and say are you the same tom platts that coach smith talks about and i said yes i am and tell him thank you very much for everything he's no. done for me. you know no. <laughs> i needed to kick any like nowadays nobody you can't do that to a young spank somebody kick him in the ass i think young kids need to be kicked in the ass not you know, with, within reason of course but i don't know it's a different world now a young men need, need a they need some challenge and they need some discipline uh, if you don't have that through uh, through life, you're going to find it very difficult. I think so. I, yeah. I think, I mean, you know, and 
Because you're going to get knocked down, right? You're going to get knocked down. Absolutely. You've got to get back up. Just got to get back up. That's all it is. Yeah. I mean, I think winners just get back up one more time. Every Olympia, you got back up. Got back up. Now you're still getting back up. You know? <laughs> always, man. There's always going to be something that comes along. And uh, I want to thank you for your time, Tom. And uh, very inspirational. I've really enjoyed it. I could sit whole, here all night and talk. Well, maybe we're doing number two sometime, you know? Dorian, it's very cathartic. Okay, now I tell people this story, not that you are ever my student, okay? I don't want to bend the truth, but to know that a guy watching me adopted some of the same mentality and far surpassed me in competition, that's why I did what I did. And that is very meaningful to me. I'm not looking for credit. Forget that. Um, something that from that was instilled in me went to you and all that. That's the business. Tom, I was sitting in a, <clears throat> I don't know, you've been to England, so maybe you know, a council flat, which is a government housing apartment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm sitting in a council flat with no carpet. My bed is a mattress. Yeah. I got my first little trophy there. I got Bob Kennedy's books. I got the magazines. So imagine I'm there in Birmingham in this council flat and I'm reading these books and I'm reading about Tom Platts and I'm thinking tomorrow I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to fucking do this and one day I'm going to be with these guys. From that, I'm talking to you today, man. So thank you for everything you did for, for the sport, like bodybuilding, all the inspiration and the energy. I mean, this yeah. this is kind of a bit lacking at the moment in the sport. I think this passion, this energy, especially for the, the training. So... Um, I wanted to bring that and uh, introduce you maybe to some people that uh, didn't know Tom Platts and maybe there's one or two out there. I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, thank you for everything. Thanks you so, so much, Tom. And uh, it would be great. You're going to be at the Mr. Olympia in November? No, no, no. Um, it's possible. I, I, I don't know. I have a... Well, if you're there, you let me know, man, because I'm, I'm there. I'm doing a, I'm doing a training camp the week before, and I'll be there at the Olympia doing some stuff, so... I love what you do. I used to teach exercise physiology and uh, anatomy for a lot of years. I love what you do. Well, I, ju I just done a camp now, six guys. We did a whole week together. And, and you know, they're, they're so hyped. They're so grateful because we, we train, but we don't just train. We go to dinner, and we go to lunch, and we, and we talk. And, and and they tell me what their life is like, and and I'm telling them, listen, you you, you want to change that? Do it, man. You can you can do it. I can see that you can do it, but that's not important. If it helps you, for me to tell you you can do it, I will tell you you can fucking do it. But <laughs> you gotta believe it, man. And at the end of the week, all these guys are going away and they're they're hyped. So it's more than training a man in the gym. It's like uh, helping them with the mind as well laying your energy and work ethic to somebody when i yeah. see somebody else when i see what we're talking about that you and i share in, in somebody else i'm like it takes my breath away I'm like, oh yeah, finally it's amazing. I the body who has that something who has that drive that focus that, that i i found guys that have it but they're not they're not competitive bodybuilders but they still have it you know like i'm training guys in their i'm training guys in their 50s and some of them i'm like like i'm just hold you back a little bit here so it it's great when you see that and and the the reward that you see in the person that's gone to the absolute physical and mental limit and they're saying i i i saw white things and i said yeah they're angels they're like they're coming you're near you're near to you're near to crossing over you know and uh, yeah, exactly. 
it's great. They just feel like enlivened, you know, life, energy. I don't know why. Some I always think that God implanted this attitude in my head, and you looked at it and go, "Yes, God gave it to you." Yeah. What a gift. And it's a domino. It's a domino effect, and uh, everyone you come in touch with, you're having a an effect on them. So I always think that. I always think, you know what? If I'm tired today, and this kid comes up, and and, and I'm like, ah, not kid. I'm like, you know, tired. I'm, just, I'm, you know, I ain't got time today. You know, if Tom Platz did that to me when I met him, I'd be fucking devastated. Like I would be, you know. So I'm very, you know, like just give him something a little bit good, even if it's hey, you know, even if it's ten seconds, it's good. It's good energy. We're on a pedestal. People put us on the pedestal. Your pedestal's eight, eight times. Six times, six times. Yeah. It's confused so many times. I can't remember the big numbers, but I think as a responsibility to the fans, it's our responsibility to take them with us and put them on the pedestal too and say, "Hey, here's what it's like." Versus egotistical and not talking. People that did that to me, I'm like, "Oh, like I was talking earlier." Maybe we have a kind of a responsibility. I do to, to do to spread good energy, to spread good vibes, because we're a bit privileged, man. First of all, you had the, you know, you had the physical materials, let's say, to, to build a physique, and you had the, the drive. You're given some gifts which other people didn't have, and you were able to go to the gym, we were able to do that and do what we love for, for many years. So uh, I'm grateful for that from, oh, yes. if you want to call it God or universe or whatever, there's a higher power that's... Uh, there's somebody stronger and higher than controlling everything, you know. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, I feel it's you know winning the contest and all that and creating our lives and living our life is 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 great. But maybe the greater point is what good can you do with that position that you now have? Especially now, like you're you're not as old as I am. You're getting there. Yeah, I'm in my sixties now. Yeah, I'm sixty-eight. I'm like you know, it's not about Tom Platts anymore making another million dollars it's not about tom plus getting getting position in, in this four-door industry it's about me giving back to that guy in hungary or that girl in czechoslovakia that wants it so bad that's i feel so right righteous by doing that forget about the money that's what i'm supposed to do you know right now i know that beyond any reason of a doubt and god gave us the life we led earlier to put us and i think now it's like it was training the old days in the olympia was training what we do now exactly your whole life has been training your whole life has been training and uh, all the things you've been through and the wisdom that you've gained and everything that you can you can pass on i believe this is the real purpose to this whole thing and uh god bless you tom platz and your family and thank you very much well brother. dorian we're not done yet we're not done yet no no we got plenty of things to do man <laughs> And uh, I hope I hope I see you in uh, Olympia. Maybe let me know if you're going to be there, man. We we'll sit down and have a dinner or something. I will, and thank you very much. Absolutely, and and uh, pass my regards on to your lovely wife, please. Thank, thank you so much. If it wasn't for her, I'd be a mess. I'd be like hanging out in California, late after hours clubs or something. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you gotta meet my wife, man. I was up well off the rails when she met me, so she put me on you know, some rails. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Tom. Take care, mate. Cheers. Okay, man. Thank you. Bye -bye. Good talking to you, Dorian. Bye-bye.